Welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. Dr. Millicent Ravello, how are you? I am doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm very happy that you do this podcast with me every week. It's uh, been not only educational for me, but also quite enjoyable. It's really nice. It I is. really like seeing your face on Wednesdays. Well, thanks. <laughs> I think our patients are appreciating <laughs> our information. Uh, I got very excellent feedback on the podcast today. So did I. You did? Yeah. I had one of my patients mention that she listens to the podcast regularly and that she enjoys it. Well, that's Not to good. like blow our own horns here because we totally just did. We should probably high five right now, <laughs> except that would not be socially distanced. No, it wouldn't. Keep your hands to yourself. All right. No high fiving. But we are here today to talk about plastic surgery and insurance billing, which yes. is an extremely confusing topic for many. It's very confusing for many, many, many people. And it's a massive topic. And they, I mean, there are whole courses and seminars on how to code for this kind of stuff. So we'll sort of go through the pertinent surgeries that you may qualify for through insurance and talk about how and what and why. But I think this is a good time to sort of talk about who we are. Our actual name and our board certification is Plastic and Reconstructive Surgery. Right. So that means that we do the cosmetic aspect of things, which is what you see on celebrities and you see on all the shiny Beverly Hills shows. That's the cosmetic surgery where you're taking what's normal and enhancing it. Facelifts, Facelifts, breasts, breast tummy augmentation. tucks. <clears throat> and then there's the reconstructive side of what we do, which is for patients that have a disease or a trauma or for breast cancer reconstruction or for reconstructing a leg or a foot. And I think a lot of people don't realize that plastic surgeons do all that stuff because unless you've had the misfortune of needing a plastic surgeon in that situation, you don't know that we do a lot of really cool stuff that does not fall under cosmetic at all. Right. Just like the USC resident said, uh, yesterday when I, when she was assisting me in surgery, she said, the part I really love is when I show up to a orthopedic patient's room and they say, you know, my leg is shattered and in pieces. What is a plastic surgeon doing here? It's like, actually, I'm like the one person that you need to be talking to. Right now. I'm the only person that can fix That's this right. shattered. Okay. The orthopedics do some bone stuff too, but, but they could, they can amputate it, they but can, to save that to leg, save it, you need you a, plastic, need a surgeon. plastic surgeon to put back the skin and soft tissue to cover the repaired bone. So that's just my little little piece I like to say because I think a lot of people don't realize that there's a lot of what we do that's covered by insurance purely because it is reconstruction and it's medically necessary. But what we're going to talk about today is sort of the cosmetic-y surgeries that still get covered by insurance. And it's not like there's a big distinction between cosmetic and reconstruction because it's a fine line. Like at what point does my breast reconstruction revision cross the line into cosmetic? Like they already look pretty darn good. We're going to make them a little bit better. That's cosmetic, but it falls under reconstruction. So it's a fine line and it's not necessarily one or the other. But that being said, let's go into it. Right. I mean, the the part that is clearly insurance-based is where... Things like breast cancer reconstruction, the insurance pays for it. Yes. Uh, cleft lip, cleft palate, you didn't ask for that. It needs to be restored. Right. That's going to be paid for. Uh, the, the kid who flew across the country, uh, who's on the Dr. Hockey podcast, as a matter of fact, with a face fracture. Oh, I remember that kid. Yeah. yeah. So he <laughs> like he launched his car through yeah, yeah, and yeah. split a telephone pole yeah. in half and broke his face, went to Johns Hopkins went to Georgetown. Nobody would touch him because his nose was so telescoped into his face right. that he flew out here. 
all of his surgery was covered under insurance because it's all reconstructive. The part where it gets to be uh, difficult is when is it is it something that the patient needs to pay cash for? Is it something that the insurance should cover? Or is it a little of both? A little blend, yeah. And that, for me, always happens in my noses because patients want their nasal airway fixed. Like I had a kid in today, he's an, an actor, and he said, if I, if I could breathe through my nose, I wouldn't be here. But I can't breathe through this rhinoplasty nose that I've had, and, and I would like it to look better. So what happens there is then there's the insurance component to the operation, the insurance is going to pay for me to fix the septum. They're going to pay right. for me to fix the internal the breathing valves. Problem. Anything related to the breathing. If if you need sinus surgery, I'm not going to do that. I get somebody else to do the sinuses. But insurance is going to pay for anything that's functional. The I want it to look nicer is now a cosmetic charge. Right. And so I, I'm not going to bill that to the insurance no. because the insurance doesn't pay for that. No, it's not what it's there for. So the, that's still part of the operation I have to do and be responsible for. So there's a cash component that the patient has to pay and neither of the two shall meet. It's not difficult. However, it's been the subject of much <laughs> displeasure of many patients because they don't like that they're getting paid for the Insurance, airway. Yeah. And they think it should all be Eat. just one big package price and that they shouldn't pay anything and that the insurance would pay for their cosmetic and that's how it should be. Well, but I mean, that's you can do works. that. You can say, sure, I'll do your airway reconstruction, but you're not going to like the result and it's going to look awful because you're going to need some extra cosmetic work done to it. Right. So if you want that, great. If not, there's you your... Or you can leave the you nose know, unchanged. There's your average looking nose. Right. You can leave the nose unchanged yeah. and just fix the airway. Right. So that's where the the sort of argument gets with patients. The insurance companies don't have any problem with this, no, by the they way. They 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 don't care if you make their you know, their nose, you know, teeny tiny or whatever. Right. As long as you fix their airway and you do that, they're happy to pay for it and they do. And they do. Yeah. And and it's never an argument. And you, and I always even put in my consults, and I'm doing all this cosmetic work too that the patient's paying for. Right, and they're like, okay, fine, sounds good. Yeah, whatever. We don't care about that. Yeah. We need to know: do they have a deviated septum? The insurance just wants to know: do they meet criteria yeah. to pay for the for the airway part? So, like a lot of patients, I had a patient today who says, "Oh, I don't have any problems breathing, but I've heard my my septum's deviated." So will insurance pay for that? And my answer says, mm, no, no, it's not. It doesn't matter that you have an anatomic deviation. Everybody does. There's nobody that has a perfectly straight septum. There's no perfectly straight head. But the fact that they're not symptomatic, they haven't been treated, they haven't been using. I don't, I say no, they're not, that yeah. don't even bother. Doesn't matter. Nope. Because you have to meet criteria. And if you have an asymptomatic septal deviation, an asymptomatic nasal airway problem, that you're not doing any treatments for it, I'm not even going to send it to the insurance because they're not going to pay for it. You have to meet criteria. Right, right. That's kind of key. And by the way, if you want to know the criteria, just go onto your insurance company's website. They're right there. It's listed. It's and not it's like a, a mystery. It's a little hard to find that I will give you that, but it is there. And you can certainly call and ask your insurance company. Call your insurance coordinator. Ask. Call your HR like, I don't suggest that you lie about your symptoms. Don't go look it up <laughs> and then go into your doctor no, and say, yeah, I have fraud. all these problems. <laughs> I don't suggest doing that. <laughs> no, that's called insurance fraud. And insurance they fraud. tend to give you a felony crime for that. Yes. Yeah, I would, so I would advise against that. that. Yeah. Don't do that. But the uh, the key is to be very clear about the documentation, and that's really where where the rubber meets the road. So, especially for things like a breast reduction. So here's where you have to really meet criteria. criteria. 
Which, yeah. by the way, these criteria are insane. By the way, yeah, they're a little bit ridiculous. That's sort of my world that I deal with. I deal with the breast reductions and massive weight loss patients and the criteria that they have to meet for these procedures to be covered. And again, there is a line between what is functionally necessary and what's going to look good. And frequently what I can do for patients under the insurance dollar is not going to make them look good. It's going to fix the problem. It's going to reduce the size of the breast or it's going to take off some extra skin that's causing rashes and infections. But unless you treat the whole abdomen or the whole breast as a single unit and do the extra liposuction, do the contouring of the upper, ab- of the upper abdomen or extend your excisions posteriorly, you're going to have a subpar aesthetic result. So again, Part of your procedure will be covered by insurance if you qualify and meet criteria. If you want to have a better looking outcome, you are responsible for the cash payment of it. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty straightforward, you know, but it, it, it gets confusing because then then comes the big build charges discussion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because this is where... Like this no is where like you, this, the, the train yeah. just goes off the rails with right. this one. Right. You charge $68,000 yeah. for my massive weight loss yeah. operation to the insurance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, those are the build charges. This right. is the like, so medical billing is for the listeners. Medical billing is it's a, a, a total yeah. archaic, obsolete, totally insane way of generating income for physicians and hospitals and surgery centers it is so jacked up yeah it makes no sense it it doesn't make sense it's it's arcane it's it's bizarre yeah isn't it it's bizarre it's bizarre like you you bill all this money and so you're getting a surgery your insurance company is getting billed by the surgeon by the anesthesiologist, and by the OR, whether that's at the hospital or whether it's at an outpatient surgery center. There are at least three bills going into your insurance for your surgery. And if (laughs) we can get into the whole topic of in-network versus out-of-network. But regardless, some amount is sent into your insurance company. It could be $50,000. It could be $100,000. Insurance company looks at it and says, okay, sounds good. This is how much I'm actually going to pay you. Right. And it's based off of... So so what build charges are? I'd like to talk about like one procedure. Let's talk about septoplasty. Septoplasty, from a professional fee standpoint... The surgeon standpoint. Let's say the... I don't... This isn't correct, but let's say the Medicare payment for septoplasty is $800. I.J. Calvert work in Beverly Hills. I pay rent to people that charge me exorbitant fees. Mm -hmm. My nurses cost five five times (laughs) as much as a nurse in the Midwest. I uh, have overhead that is insane. I have marketing expenses to bring the patients in. My practice doesn't work on an $800 septoplasty fee. My practice works on a $7,000 septoplasty fee. So my billed charges are based off a multiplier of the Medicare fee. Let's say it's 10 times or whatever. So let's say it's $8,000. It's not, but this is just made up. So based on my Medicare multiplier, my billed charges for any operation will look like they're crazy. 
Like it might be that I do a septoplasty and turbinates and, and do spreader grafts and the build charges are $28,000 for an airway operation. I haven't even talked about the cosmetic portion. The problem is that the patient sees that yeah. as build charges and they have a stroke or a heart attack or both right? because they think that they owe that money, right. but they don't. That's the money that's being billed as a really what I call it. It's an indicator of the work that's done and at what sort of vectoral magnitude that the build charges are, are presented because the insurance company is going to take those build charges and they're going to quickly go, well, in Los Angeles County, we only pay... 50% of build charges as a starting point, and then here's how we're going to discount it. So my $28,000 gets rapidly discounted to 14000 <laughs> like $14,000 before anybody even looks at it, because they just don't even expect it. And they say, oh, by the way, for septoplasty, we don't accept any charges over $4,000, and for the other ones, and, and we don't accept charges for the spreader graphs, and, and now $14,000 has turned into $9,000. And then my $9,000 gets, they look at their plan and they say, oh, we only pay 60% of reasonable and customary. Well, in Los Angeles County, for that zip code, reasonable and customary is actually $6,200 for those procedures. So we're going to pay 60% of the $6,200 and then comes to me a check for 3600 bucks. That sounds about right. Right? The, and, that's, and that's with you as an out-of-network provider. I am an out-of-network provider, yeah. and that's it. If I was in-network, they'd be like, we're going to give you $50. Here's, your, here's $800. Right. So an in-network... <laughs> no, 800 yeah. I mean, That'd be great. <laughs> that'd be great. An in-network provider has signed a contract with the insurance company, theoretically, because they'll get all of the in-network patients as an automatic referral source, but the trade-off for the physician is that they have to accept the amount that the insurance pays them. And I love to th give this number because this is a very real number that for Blue Cross, Blue Shield, they pay me as an in-network provider $800 for a breast reduction, a surgery that takes me four hours to do. What? I have the liability of the nipple living. I do all the work beforehand to work the patient up. I take care of the patient for a year afterwards. I manage their scars, wound healing issues, all of that. For $800. So you're probably making less than $50 an hour when it's all done for the amount of times you have well, to see the patient. And, oh, yeah. less, Way less than that. For, and then the liability. I'm like, that barely covers my malpractice right. <laughs> for that case. Well, that's why I'm out of network. So right that's, there. I mean, that's, Boom, there it is. No one wants to hear the plastic surgeon complain about no, money. I get that. But that's where the insurance. But we comes do like in. to complain about insurance because what would be it's great? Insurance. What yeah. if, what if the insurance paid you? $7,000 to do a breast reduction, which you would probably say, you know what? That's great. Yeah. Send me, send me all your patients yeah. because that you can live with. But 800 bucks to do that operation. It's a slap in the face. It's not a slap in the face. It doesn't, it doesn't allow you to do it. It didn't allow me to do it. That's why it I went out of network. Sense. No. Yeah. And it wasn't because I don't want to accept in network rates. I'd love for the in network rates to be at least reasonable. Right. Like let's take somebody with, uh, with, like, let's take a lawyer and not a lawyer that's right out of law school. So a lawyer spends three years in law school, but it takes them a, a residency's worth of time to become a worthy lawyer getting paid the level that, yeah. that, we, that they believe they should. Let's say they get paid $600 an hour, like many attorneys around Los Angeles do. Some of my attorneys get paid $1,200 an hour if they're like these, you know, bomb partner right. guys, right? So let's say they get paid 600 bucks an hour. So for you... To do a breast reduction takes you four hours on average, maybe five sometimes, three right. sometimes. So let's say four hours on average. Even if you got 600 bucks an hour, it's still $2,400. $2, but 
but that's just for the for the, for the operation. operation. Yeah, you spend an hour with the patient, going over everything. Mm-hmm. Your staff spend time with them. Yep. You're going to see them at least three or four times at after least. surgery. So you're going to spend no less than ten hours of care with Absolutely. that patient. Yeah, right? that's reasonable. So it's six hundred dollars an hour. That should be six thousand dollars. And if I'm doing a purely cosmetic breast reduction, like it's not going through insurance, that's more or less, yeah, probably $8,000, $9,000 is what a cash breast reduction would cost, right. which is reasonable. That's what it seems like it should be. So, but this is why insurance yeah. is is losing favor and why many plastic surgeons just right. don't, take don't take it. I mean, we'd love to take it if it paid if it us paid. The, the appropriate level. Right. It's not that we're, we are, I know we're pissing them on and we are, yeah, we are. <laughs> but, but it's okay. And, and, you but here's sh- the and, thing. and plastic, it's okay to do plastic that. Plastic surgeons, you know, we are fortunate in the sense that we do, we can charge cash fees for a lot of the procedures that we take. There's a lot of surgeons and a lot of doctors out there that cannot. And now we're really sort of going off the rails here. But I, it's important when you talk about insurance to understand that a lot of doctors that get paid in network fees cannot make a living and cannot support a practice based on what insurance reimburses them. And what makes me really, really mad about this is that I know the patients are paying a ton of money to their insurance. I know they are. Tons. A ton. And then you look at what the doctors are receiving as reimbursement. It's like, Where's all this money going? So I have, it's a really, it, you can tell it irks me, it the should. insurance system. Um, and as plastic surgeons, we are fortunate that we do have sort of a fallback with doing other cosmetic surgeries that we do. I have the luxury, I feel like, in taking care of some of these in-network patients because I have other sources of income coming in that will allow me to meet my overhead, et cetera. Right. I mean, that, that's the big issue is that, you know, every operation that you do, from our standpoint, we we want it to be... We want to be able to provide the best possible yeah. care because I, I mean this, and th- hopefully this is like a wake up call for some people that are listening to this because the, it comes down to you know trading time for money, and so the guys that are in network are going to do as many as they can, as much as they can, as fast as they can because they have to with the least impact because they yeah. have to. This is right? why your this is why your doctor sees fifty patients a day and you wait because if, they yeah. have. Too. Yeah, if they're an in-network they're doctor, you're paid twenty bucks a patient, your primary care doctor, to see you. Oh yeah, I forget you know? <laughs> it. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing is that the patient, the people that can yeah. take time, do. Yeah. But you pay for that. Yeah. I mean that. I mean my practice time is that is way. Money. Absolutely, and yeah. and and so like when we bill the insurance, it's really more of a courtesy to the patient, but it can it can be okay if you set up and get contracts and all that stuff. Like a lot of times, I get contracts from from corporations or from like, I got a contract from a country one time to take care of a patient nobody else could fix. And that contract was nice. It was really good. That was was a good one. But, uh, but that's the thing is that you want to, you want to be able to run it. And you're right. Nobody wants to hear plastic surgeons piss and moan about, about the money. (laughs) But I do think, you know, we have a platform and I think that it's important for people to understand, um, what really happens behind the scenes of insurance. It's kind of a dirty game. Oh, it's very dirty. Here's my favorite one. Are you ready? This one really gets my go. <laughs> hospital X, and I won't name any hospitals, but let's say it's it's the uh, town center hospital. Okay, they bill California Blue Shield for fourteen million dollars total for a quarter. They've they've you know big hospital, thousand beds. I don't know of anyone like that around here provide care, ICU care, all that stuff. And all in, that insurance company now owes that hospital $14 million. 
here's where it really gets you. So in the EOBs are out and all the explanation of benefits and the, and the individual patients are looking at their benefits and they're getting their bills and they're getting the bills from the, the various care, the various uh, healthcare workers and, and, and the facility fees and blah, 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 blah for each individual patient. Right. And maybe that $14 million comes from taking care of over 5,000 patients, maybe 10,000 patients, 20,000 patients, and all the different EOBs go out. But the total amount is 14 million bucks. And that hospital has billed Blue Shield of California for 14 million. And Blue Shield of California calls up and says, hey, you know, we see we've got a bill here for 14 million bucks from you guys. We think it's going to take us like probably 90 days, maybe 120 days to pay that bill. But what do you think about 9 million today? (laughs) And the hospital and town center hospital goes, we'd love 9 million today. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Done. $5 million is written off out of nowhere. Do you think they go back and adjust everybody's EOB and change everything that got paid and didn't get paid? No. no. It's all made up. Yeah. It is. It's totally, it's totally made up. totally made up. And the insurance companies have all the power. Absolutely. All, complete power. All the power. They're like, mm, nope, not going to pay you that. And you, especially as a little person, as a single provider, let alone a big hospital, you have no recourse. You have to just sort of take That's what right. you get. You take what you get. Yeah. And you don't complain. Yeah. But that's the point. And that's why, you know, when patients are looking at this, they got to be, they got to think what they're paying to these insurance companies. You got to shop these deals because, you know, it's like crazy the amount that everybody pays for health insurance. Right. And, you know, in the meantime, the stock prices of these healthcare companies is going through the roof. CEOs walking away with a golden parachute of $120 million. You know, like, like, where do you think that money is going? I think we just got some big X's on our backs. <laughs> <laughs> do you feel the bullseye? I think I do. Maybe we shouldn't air this podcast. Or maybe we should. Mm. Well, let's rein it back a bit. We talked about the noses. We're not going to fix the system We're not here fix today. The system. We just want to let it out there, what's happening. Um, criteria for other other surgeries that we do. Breast reduction. You know, you have to have symptoms you have to have back pain, neck pain, shoulder, shoulder pain, maybe rashes under the breast where the breasts hang over. And how much breast is removed, you know, if your insurance is paying for it, they do base that on your body weight. So if you, you have a BMI of 30, you need a certain amount of breast tissue removed. If you have a BMI of 20, you need a certain By amount. By the way, it's to- bogus. totally, totally made bogus up. bogus numbers. Stupid. But to play the game, that's what you have to remove to get it covered. And if that's too much for you, then you have to think about paying out of pocket for it. So breast reduction is one of those that definitely can be covered if you meet criteria and you're willing to go along with insurance requirements. I never liked that BMI call for like the BMI that is, is, is it's B, it's BSA actually, which is body surface area and oh it's BSA it's BSA and it's I hate it I had so here's another example and see now we're just gonna go off on insurance I have one patient we should get those guys in here and just beat the crap out of them <laughs> just like get like like one of the like reps from each insurance company and just, and just like beat them up just, yeah just like a total like cage match this is like okay this is literally the perfect example so I had two patients two weeks ago. Back to back, back to back consults for breast reductions. I had one patient come in who was 5'1, weighed 160 pounds, had a BMI of 30 or 31 or something like that. Sure. But her BSA was, I don't even remember the number, but it was, it was a certain number. And based on her BSA, she needed to have, I think, 400 grams removed from her breast. And she had huge breasts. 
400 grams would have been absolutely nothing. So she right, quali- so that was so going to qualify. Yeah, she qualified, she qualified. as going to be a chip shot. Yeah, you're going to remove maybe 600 grams from right. her breast. Right, she had very large breasts, but she herself was a larger patient. The next patient came in, tall, probably about five seven, five eight, weighed same amount, 160, 170 pounds, but she looked skinny because she was tall. And her breasts were large, but they weren't excessively large, but she was having all the symptoms, the back pain, the shoulder pain. Her BMI was like 23 or 24, and her BSA was a totally different number. And based on her BSA, they were saying I had to remove like 800 grams, which on her breasts would have left her with nothing. And they were doing it off this arcane BSA system, which made absolutely no sense based on what they looked like and how much, like, it just... It drove me nuts because that the one patient who really needed it didn't qualify because she was too tall and didn't weigh enough. <laughs> like, We're going to need to check our blood pressure after this <laughs> podcast. I mean, it, it's infuriating. Like, who makes these rules up? Where did these even come well, from? Well, they're not made up by doctors. That's no. for sure. Because doctors would say, you need to treat the people that are symptomatic and need to get, you know, right. it's... But, you know, and then, and by the way, and then you should pay appropriately for it. Like, we, yeah. we just can... We could go... <laughs> You know, it's just, it's time for a Tomahawk missile right into the freaking offices of all these insurance companies. Like, start over. I mean, really, it is. It should be start over. It should be market price. If you want to insure people, you should insure them properly instead of making it like a, a, it's a flogging at this point. It really is. And the money is going who knows where to these people who write these rules and push forms around and make up asinine reasons to not do surgery or treat patients. It's it's crazy. It is. It is it is just not not good. <laughs> I was going to say something else, but I just I held back. And the one last surgery I'll mention for my part that we do under insurance um, are my massive weight loss patients. So these are the ones that have the extra skin. Paniculectomy is the excision of that skin that hangs over the lower abdomen. Any skin that causes problems with I rashes. Call that du- I call that the Dunlap. The Dunlap? Yeah, because Dun- the Dunlap, Dunlap over, over. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you a story about that later. <laughs> but um, there are, are criteria for the massive weight loss patients as well. And again, you know, if you want the more cosmetic surgeries with that, you know, if you want to put the implant in with the lift, the breast lift, you want, if you want to do the full tummy tug as opposed to just the paniculectomy, that is on you. That is an extra cost. But there are ways to get it covered by insurance. You just have to meet the criteria. Yeah, paniculectomy is really just cutting off the extra skin the and extra like skin. zipping it off. Yeah, I think actually in the in the strictest definition of paniculectomy, you take the umbo with it, and throw the so. umbilicus away. Yeah, so you have no belly button. <laughs> I've done that a few times. Yeah, I mean, some people it's some indicated. People need it. You know, you don't I, need a belly button. And, do you? and I tell them, I'm like, you know, you have a lot of skin above and below the belly button, and if you don't want to pay for a tummy tuck and transposition of the umbilicus and elevation of skin flaps, you want all of this skin gone. You're going to lose the belly button with it. Yeah. They're like, okay. Yeah, I don't really care. I mean, it's a belly button. It's a scar. Like, it's nothing. It is a scar. Although they, it does look a little weird. <laughs> you look a little alienish without a belly button. It's like the sneeches on the beaches. <laughs> the like star belly sneeches and the, yeah. the the some without the stars. You know, it's Dr. Seuss. I think the, the star belly sneeches. They always had, had it out on them. You got to have that belly button. Yeah, it is. It's very... It's weird. It's weird. Yeah, but you know, that's the strictest definition. Yeah. It's okay. don't they don't it. care. They don't care. Um. So yeah, I think insurance is a topic in plastic surgery that having education is key. Um, it's always good to call your insurer before you go in. Definitely. Um, we always try to just 
we have everybody's insurance information just because in case they need a pathology report sent right. or something like that, right. we want to have their info. Or if there's an emergency, an emergency yeah, and they had then to get you want to get, you, yeah. get transferred, call an ambulance, whatever, those things happen. Um, and so you want to have that insurance information. But I think for those of you going in to get these operations done, it's good to kind of know the ground rules before you go into the, the office um, or do a virtual consultation, right. as many of us are. And then it allows you to have a dialogue about it because knowing your financial responsibility for these operations is key, especially when you think your insurance, oh, I have great insurance. How many people have said that to you? And they pay like $6. Oh, I have amazing from, insurance. I get that from the ER all the time. Hey, I have this patient who has a laceration requesting plastic surgery. They say they have great insurance. Freaking Blue Cross. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to besmirch Blue Cross. Hey, I have Blue Shield, and I, I feel bad for my insurance. <laughs> you know, my Blue Shield actually pays my providers pretty well. Yeah, they actually, you know, this Blue Shield is not bad. Um, I thought it was going to be, you know, because California is basically, you have two two options. You either get Kaiser or Blue Shield. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's kind of a pseudo-monopoly state. Um, but the, uh, we're just like throwing everybody under the bus, aren't we? <laughs> Like, yeah, in our no communist state it. here, you know, this communist state of California. It's true. But insurance has a for sure a monopoly in California. Yeah, you don't they've have locked other it. options. You don't have any options. No. You either go to Kaiser or you get Blue Shield. That's it. It's a sniper on the roof right now for us. I know. Any minute now. <laughs> Gavin Newsom's like, what? What are they talking about on there? But uh, I mean, the tr- that's the truth. It's like you, you have to take Blue Shield, but there are different levels are, of Blue yeah, Shield. Yeah, yeah. And the uh, the one that we have for, for our little company actually has done pretty well. And I, I think we have like 12 people on it or whatever. And so it's a little corporate plan. But if you get individual Blue Shield, it, it doesn't pay anything. Nope. Like ever. No. It's it's awful how, how low the payments are for yeah. like, I, I feel terrible for like my primary care doc. He's like, he doesn't even want to see Blue Shield patients. He's like, no way. He's like, forget mm-hmm. it. It'll yeah, the individual there, individual but. payer plans, the Covered California plans. I mean, that, and you're right. That's all you have. I remember I had to do that for a while before I had my hospital job. I was paying an individual plan, and you're right. It was Blue Covered California, Blue whatever, or Kaiser. Those are your two options. That's it. And they do not pay the providers. That I will tell you. No, they, do not they don't. Pay the, and as the single payer, you're paying a lot of money to the insurance company, and then the insurance company is not paying anything to the provider. Right, and what if it was just market price? I mean, the prices would all drop, it'd all normalize, it'd be, it'd be a whole different day. Yeah. Market price, that's where I'm, I'm all about it. Like, let's get rid of the insurers, it's over. Like, get rid of them, no. I think I'm, I am, by the way, and not to be like totally political or anything like that, I think that a single payer as a backstop for everybody is the way to go. Everybody should have health insurance provided by this country, just like in Germany and like other other countries, with the option to buy to whatever, buy to go up the ladder as much yeah. as you want. You want to spend more and have more and get these pooled plans because you're making great bank and or you just want the great insurance for your family or what or whatever reason. Good for you, but there should be some backstop, and it shouldn't be that you know you go to the emergency room for a cough and you say I have no insurance, Medicaid, blah blah blah. There should be backstop. I'm all about that. So that's my political stance for now. But the uh, I don't know if anybody else agrees with me on that, and I don't really care. But I think people should have health care. We this country has money. We have, enough, we have not, enough bombs to blow yeah. up the earth twenty eight times over. Yeah. We should be able to pay for somebody to get a you know vaccine or something. You know, don't you? I agree. All right. Well, that's our uh, our insurance. We're both going to uh, go have a drink yeah. and relax. And if we're and, not uh, here next week, you will know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> 
earlier today, two plastic <laughs> surgeons were assassinated <laughs> while leaving the office. Anyway, yeah, but I, I think it's important to know. And uh, if you have questions, call us. I mean, we're, our offices are adept at managing yeah, those questions, definitely. and we can help you with it. And uh, and this is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast, coming to you from the 90210. The Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast is brought to you by Rock Spa. This is Medi Spa, located both in Beverly Hills and Newport Beach, providing services such as Botox, fillers, lasers, and all therapy, as well as hydrofacials and all the aesthetic products you could possibly need. It's run by the medical director, me, Dr. Jay Calvert. Rock Spa Beverly Hills is located at 120 South Spalding Drive in Suite 340, Beverly Hills, 90212. The phone number there is 310-777-0496. And Rock Spa Newport Beach is located at 1617 West Cliff Drive, Newport Beach, California, 92660. The phone number there is 949-640-1111. You can go to their respective websites, rockspanewportbeach.com or rockspabeverlyhills.com. Rockspa was created to help my patients maintain their aesthetic beauty in between whatever operations they have throughout their lives. It's something that allows patients to come in, get their facials, skin treatments, take care of all the Botox fillers and lasers that they need to keep up their beauty. And if they've invested in any of the aesthetic operations I perform, it's the way to maintain those operations. If you mention this podcast, you will get the member's pricing for your hydrofacial. The Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast is the way that Dr. Ravello and I talk about the issues that are important to us in plastic surgery, but there's nothing better than getting to take care of our patients and do plastic surgery. Our practices are located in Beverly Hills, and I also have a satellite office in Newport Beach. You can learn about my practice at drcalvert.com and you can reach my office by calling 310-777-8800. And that will get you an appointment either in Beverly Hills or at the Newport Beach office. My practice is located in Beverly Hills. Our office phone number is 310-954-1355. You can also contact us directly through the website, which is rovelloplasticsurgery.com. We look forward to seeing you in the office for some aesthetic tune-ups.